Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, I am in NC right now. It is great to be back in North Carolina. You are in Los Angeles. We got a lot of topic points in the NBA playoffs, a lot of injuries, a lot of headlines. But first and foremost, how are you doing? And uh, how are you taking in the NBA playoffs? It's been tough. I just wanted to take a little breather here. You know that. Me too. Anytime a player gets hurt, man, it, it's it it always you know you never like to see a player get hurt, and that was tough to watch with Giannis. That was tough. It's tough to watch any player. You know when Trey Young got hurt the game before, yep. Kawhi gets hurt. Any of these players get hurt. It's it's tough. I don't care what time, but you just you just feel for the injuries that you're seeing that's occurring for whatever the reason may be, but that was tough yesterday. So nonetheless, um, the games must go on, as they say, and uh, we're off to you know a game this evening. I believe it's Phoenix and the, and the Clippers, yep. but that was tough yesterday to watch um, during the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. I w- that was a tough one, and um, hopefully our prayers are up to Giannis, and uh, we'll see. I don't know if the diagnose, diagnose came out today, but hopefully um, we'll get some good news here and, um, you know, get him back on his feet as quickly as he, um, as he, as he possibly can. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, we're knocking on wood, obviously, for Giannis. This was, uh, you know, we talked about this when the season started. You told the world, you told us here on Pushing Through, all of our listeners, that Giannis, in your opinion, was the best player in the NBA. And as this, uh, as the playoffs have been playing out, Giannis was looking more and more like that guy. He was, uh, I think my favorite phrasing of Giannis was very similar to Shaq. You know, he might not be the greatest, but he might be the most dominant. And he had been dominant so far in these playoffs. Um, like you said, we're, we're hoping that we get good news. Uh, they're, they're worried it's an ACL injury, but we don't want to speculate here. So we're just hoping that he gets back and gets back healthy. Uh, Trey Young, uh, same sort of deal. Uh, tried to get prepared and play in game four, wasn't able to do so. But Lou Will, uh, Cam Reddish, uh, you know, a guy that was a lottery pick that a lot of people had tried to write off at times, steps up in this game. And uh, I just wanted where to talk he go, about Where did he go to school, Cam Reddish? He went to Duke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you ask me that, BJ? I, I, forgot. I, I, I forgot where he went to school. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> but uh, I do. I want to talk about these two coaches: uh, the Atlanta Hawks coach Nate McMillan and uh, the Clippers coach Ty Lue. Because I, you know, throughout the year, Monty Williams, Tom Thibodeau, um, oh, you know, Quinn Snyder, all these coaches were were up there for Coach of the Year. A lot of conversations about those guys, but. So far in these playoffs, BJ, Ty Lue uh, and what he's been able to do with this Clippers team and what Nate McMillan has been able to do instilling a belief in this Hawks team, I think that they are sort of the the stories, so to speak, outside of the injuries, as we already mentioned at the top. So I'm going to start with Nate and what he's been able to do in this series. Gets it back to even, gets it back to 2-2, gets this team to believe uh, that they have a real shot at making it to the NBA Finals. And uh, I just want to focus in on Nate. What did you see last night in Game 4? Uh, with the Hawks and what they were able to do against the Bucks, You know, it's been interesting to watch Nate because Nate came in somewhere, what, I don't know, halfway during the year. Yeah, like January. Yeah, he came in. And it's always interesting when you see things click. You don't know why they click. And you don't know when it's going to happen. But watching Nate McMillan coach, there's clearly a trust that he has with the players and vice versa. Yep. And... The one thing that this team, talking about the Atlanta Hawks and the players, they trust the game plan 
and the strategy of Nate McMillan. Mm-hmm. It's it's been kind of interesting to watch. Like, and Nate McMillan trusts them and their decision making because he puts them in positions on the floor where they're going to be successful. Like, yeah. I don't know if this guy, I always mispronounce his name. Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter, I don't know what he does, but Nate McMillan know what he does. He and had Kevin, seven assists last night. Kevin Herter and Nate <laughs> McMillan, they know something about each other, okay? <laughs> Nate McMillan understands Lou Will. He understands mm. Clint Capella. He yeah. understands Danilo. Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Yeah. Nate McMillan knows his guys better than anyone else. And he says, you do what you do, and I'll put you in position to do it. And your job is to go out there and handle your business. Last night, I saw an interesting thing. I saw Chris Dunn come down and shoot a three. Now, I haven't seen Chris Dunn all year. Yep. But the confidence in which he played with last night, you talk about Cam, uh, Reddish, a Kongu coming off the bench as well. I mean, yeah. he he has the total trust of his players mm-hmm. and vice versa. And those guys are playing winning basketball. But I love the fact that they lose a game and they're like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and figure out a plan to win the next game. Now, give those guys credit. They, they have a – it is – now, try to mimic that. You can't. You just don't know – when and how it's going to happen, right? You go to training camp, you do all of these things, and it never happens. And all of a sudden, Nate comes in halfway during the year, and it's clicked. Yeah. And those guys are clearly on the same page. I always love to look at the bench. And you like, I love to see how the bench reacts to the guys who are playing on the floor. I mean, you, you saw, you, you, you know, you saw Trey Young going crazy on the bench. Everyone's, <laughs> yeah. everyone's cheering for everyone. So... He's in tune with his team. I mean, it's a match. Those guys fit his personality and clearly vice versa. So they they have a connection. And when you see it, it's a beautiful thing. You don't know why it happens. You don't know how it happens. But when it happens, we all know it. Now, the thing is, try to recreate that. Mm -hmm. Try to take that formula and say, oh, I could take this to Philadelphia or I could take this to, you know, New Orleans or what have you. You don't know, but it's beautiful to watch. And clearly, Nate and those players, they have a connection that works for them. They speak their own language. They have their own cues. And they're playing winning basketball. And right now, the series is tied. And, you know, to take it back to the Western Conference, Ty Lue and the Clippers, I think you can say the exact same thing about his team that you're saying about the Atlanta Hawks and Nate McMillan because they were asking after, I think it was game four, you know, with this team, how he's able to get them to buy in to make these adjustments. And he said that I, I had to convince these guys that, you know, first of all, I, I am appreciative that they have bought in because to make adjustments, you have to have guys buy in because it might be tonight. DeMarcus Cousins is not going to play in this game or Rondo is not going to play in this game. And those guys still have to stay engaged. And we've seen that throughout the series. And the Clippers, we, you know, we keep saying it. They, they stare down the barrel of defeat. When they went back for game five, it felt like everyone suspected that this series was over. And they come in into that game. Paul George is incredible uh, late in that game. And they get a win on the road. And now they're going back home for game six. And regardless of the outcome of this series, if you're the Suns, you just want to get rid of the Clippers. You just want to get this over with. Because the more you let this team linger, 
the more they build up their faith and their belief. And I I have been floored by how how great they have been at, at bouncing back both these teams, the Hawks and especially the Clippers. You know, it's been interesting to watch the Clippers because, you know, coaching young guys like Nate McMillan is doing down in Atlanta. It's a total, totally different coaching experience than coaching veterans. Yep. You know, they're in Clippers now. You know, you, you hear this phrase all the time. Basketball is basketball. Well, it's not because behind those uniforms are people. Yep. And when you're a young player, that requires a a different set of circumstances than when you are a a veteran player. The thing I appreciate about Ty Lue, and when you are a veteran, you know, when you're a young player, you're just trying to figure out who you could be, who you could become, and trying to make your name or, you know, show what you're capable of doing. When you're a veteran player, you can see behind. A lot of times, you see behind the intent of the decisions yeah. that are being made. Now, this is what I love about Ty Lue. No one in that locker room has questioned Ty Lue's motives for doing what he's doing. Think about that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you have some very, let's say, very volatile personalities. I don't even know <laughs> if that's the right word, but they have some personalities that I happen to like but they don't work in every circumstance. You know, everyone can't coach Rondo. Everyone can't coach Boogie. Everyone yeah. can't coach these type of personalities. Okay, Reggie Jackson. And, but what I love about Ty Lue and what I love about coaching in the NBA, and that's why it's, it's without question, it's the best in the world. Without mm-hmm. question. When you set the tone in training camp or with your team that every decision I'm going to make, but you can only do this with veterans because young guys, they're too young. They don't understand this. They don't have enough experience. No one in the Clippers, in the Clippers locker room questions why Ty Lue is doing what he's doing because he has one intention. Let's figure out how to win this game. Yeah. Boogie, Boogie, when I put you in, I'm putting you in to win the game. Mm-hmm. Reggie Jackson. Rondo. Think about Rondo. Rondo won a championship last year. Yeah. Being a being a lead figure on that team. A key figure. Yep. Yep. Okay. He I know he was a sixth man, but he was essentially a starter with the Lakers. Yeah. He's not playing. <laughs> I love the fact that he, his team has given him permission to tell them the truth. Like, I don't care who plays, but w- let's just figure out how to win. And his guys are rolling with it. That's a valuable lesson for any coach at any level. It's not about the system. It's not about being right or wrong. It's saying, can you get these guys to understand the reason we're playing? Yeah. And with that, I mean, for him to get this type of production out of Boogie, I'm like, I've always been a Boogie fan, but I'm really, I'm really cheering for him because he's playing winning basketball and working his minutes. I love that. I love that from a vet. I love that when, when your coach looks at you and goes, okay, I know what you can do. Now I need you to go out there and do what you do. I don't need you to 
change your game. I don't need you to change to my system. I don't need you to do it my way. No. I need you to be boogie. I need you to be boogie Mm -hmm. and go work your minutes. I don't know how many minutes. This might be 15. It might be 20. But I need you to go out there because you are going to help us win this game. That, to me, is sensational. And watching Paul George. Yep. Watching Paul George, like, no, Paul, I need you to be you. We're going to roll with this. Win, lose, or draw. We're going to roll with this. Mm-hmm. So watching him coach these veterans in the fashion in which he's doing, it's a great lesson. It's a great lesson for any coach because it's all about people. It's all about having this trust in a relationship because there is no relationship without trust. And clearly, clearly, Ty Lu and those players, they have a trust. And yeah. it's been great to watch. And, uh, you know, I watch the local news, BJ, because I'm basically an old man. So, like, I was in Los Angeles last weekend, and I'm watching local late-night news, Sports Night in Los Angeles, and they had Ty Lu on. They're asking him about coaching these guys. And he told, like, a nice little you know anecdote about the team. He said, when Paul George comes to the sideline, even if he's one for nine or he's nine for nine, I'm always positive because – I know Paul, and he wants the, he wants the positivity. You know what I mean. So I keep things positive. When Terrence Mann comes over, Terrence needs to be coached a little bit harder. So I get a little bit harder on him. He's like, I have different conversations with every single player, and I have a different relationship with every single one of these players. So you know, he was like, I don't because the, the question was, what is your message to the team? And he was basically saying, I have fifteen different messages. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, what yes, I mean. Yes, yeah, that is that was one of the first lessons I learned when I came to the NBA is. You know, being a point guard, coach would come out and say, here are the plays. And it always it was amazing to me. I've, I've always known this because I've always played the point guard position my entire life was there's always that one or two guys, one or two guys in the locker room after the coach goes over the plays and say what we're going to do. He'll go, hey, PJ, what play are we running? And I I was like, and I would always say to myself, did you just listen to him? You know, (laughs) but when I got to the NBA, I just expected, oh, wow, these are the best players in the world. Everyone is so good. And when it happened there, I finally caught the lesson that, you know, there are a lot, even though there's one conversation, there's a conversation being had with everyone in that locker room. So in the case of the NBA, there isn't one game speech. There's 15. There's yes. 15 speeches. Now, it's up for all of us in those in that speech and however you perceive it that we all get the same message. Yeah, you find your role within that message, that, that overarching theme. Yeah, and, and, like, and, I am this and that. It never failed. A timeout. We go over. <laughs> Coach goes, okay, we're running. Play X. He goes, does everybody get it? Everybody, everybody goes, yeah, yeah, I got it. One, two, three. Let's go. And then as soon as we walk out there, BJ, what play we run it? And I'll be like, <laughs> and that's what makes me laugh. And then, and then I would, uh, here's a quick story. So we had a, we had a theme in Chicago and we would bring a key to practice to mm. unlock the, unlock your brain when, and we would always say, we're going to unlock your brain so that you can we can all just hear the message the very first time. Mm. And so because it was always, it was always that question after the initial timeout. What play are we running? <laughs> hey, everybody know what time to bust tomorrow, 
5 p.m. Everybody got it. Everybody got it. As soon as I get to the room, hey, B, what time is the bus? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That, that's with every team going back to middle school. Yeah, exactly. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so that's part of the human nature. Yeah. And I think because, you know, we, we think they're pros or what have you. But it always made me laugh. And but it brought us closer together because yeah. what it did was, you know, you, you, you learn like people are like, you know, spacing out. Some people were, hey, thinking about other things, obviously. But the funny thing was there were all, I, I was fortunate that I was one of the guys that everyone always checked in with me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we had other guys on the team. And on good teams, you always have that guy. Like there's the coach and then there's like, okay, what, what, what did he say? You know what I mean? And then you could smooth it over for the coach. That's why it's important, so important to have veterans like that. And I always thought that was funny. But, you know, I think Ty Lue, probably being a point guard, he understands that better than most. But without question, that's that's part of uh, that's part of the, the deal on any team. Yeah. And if you watch the Clippers, like, uh, you know, one example I saw that I thought kind of really summarized uh, this team. Zubac goes up and, uh, you know, he, he fouls Devin Booker on a shot. He freaks out. He runs over to the sideline, you know, to, to basically say, we got to challenge this foul. I did not foul him. Ty Lu watches on the big screen the, the replay of it. He sees that he obviously fouled him. He rolls his eyes at him and looks over at the bench, and Rondo and Boogie are laughing at Zubac. You know what I mean? This is, it's like in the heat of a playoff game. And, you know, like you talk about being a truth teller. You know what I mean? They're, they're not right. even going to entertain this idea. And uh, you can just see the, the camaraderie of this team. And, you know, they, they, there were trades to get these guys together. Rondo came over midseason, but they, they have all bought in. And on the flip side of that, you know, Monty Williams has done such a great job with yes. the Suns team. Um, they have, you know, they look almost like the team of destiny at times. And, and, and what do you what do you need to see from them in a game six or potentially a game seven to sort of seal this series up? Because, like I said, the more you let this Clippers team hang around, the more belief they get and the more they, they kind of smell blood. And uh, and they go for it. Well, you, you, you know, it's it's not as simple, Tate, because they haven't had the consistency of playing against a set roster or a set way of playing. Mm. Okay, so game one, they go small. Yep. Game two, Zubox is in – actually, the second half of game one, they go big. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then Zubox gets hurt, and then they go back small. But they go back small now with Marcus Morris in the lineup mm-hmm. and take Nicholas, Nicholas Batum yeah, out. of Batum, yep. Okay. So when you're making changes like that, it you have to adjust on the fly more times than not in-game, you know, adjustments. I think this team, in particular, DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton, bigs, true bigs, always love to play against other bigs. Mm-hmm. Just a little secret here. Yeah, yeah. True bigs it's comfortable. only want to play against other bigs because of the physicality of the game, right? They hit each other. They bump against each other. They they do their own little – it's their own world. They are their separate world. There's the other eight guys, and then there's the bigs. Okay. So it's no surprise that he's playing well against other bigs. He play, He's going to play well against DeAndre Ayton. He's going to play well against Jokic. Why? Because bigs, they got their own thing going. Mm-hmm. Where bigs struggle, which made small ball so effective, is they struggle playing against small players. Yeah. Like small Draymond. skill players. Okay. Now, last game, game four, DeAndre Ayton basically won the game. 
he was great. I think he had 19 points, 22 rebounds, four or five mm-hmm. blocks. He was mm-hmm. fabulous. He was fabulous. I mean, he was. He was. He was terrific. Everyone singing his praise as they should. A grinded out game. I love the game. It was like eighty four to eighty one. I was like, oh wow, mm-hmm. this is like the eighties, nineties. Like, yeah, it was I, fun. I, I, it was a fun. It was much game, better right? than game five, to be honest with you. Even though the scoring was much higher now, than game five. Suddenly, when they get to game, now game, yeah, game five, the Clippers go small. DeAndre Ayton is not as effective because it was a different game. They took him out of the game pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what I'm looking for to tonight is the in-game adjustments DeAndre Ayton's going to have to make to have an imprint on the game. Because when he makes his presence felt during the game, whether that's on the offensive end, defensive end, shot blocking ability, rim runs down the middle of the court, taking advantage of his size, his verticality, throwing alley-oops, the Phoenix Suns are very, very good when he makes his impact. So I'm looking for him to figure out how to get himself involved in the game because I think the Clippers are going to go small. The Clippers are going to go to a zone. The Clippers are going to try to nullify his impact on the game. I think the Clippers have identified what they need to do to win the game, which is we are going to have to neutralize DeAndre Ayton's effectiveness on both ends of the court. Unlike Rudy Gobert, we just have to attack him on the defensive end. What they've done is they've gone zone. Why would you go zone against Devin Booker? He can shoot the lights out. They've gone zone because they want to neutralize DeAndre Ayton. Which which is fascinating to me, BJ, and I have to ask this because as I'm watching the game, all I'm saying to myself is I know Booker's your number one option. Chris Paul is, I mean, he seems to be taking a lot more shots than I've seen him take. So he he is now officially their number two option, as we've known. DeAndre Aiden's number three, but it, it does seem when he can get featured more, that there, there's some opportunity there for him to bump up in that rotation a little well, bit. And, well, and as a point guard, I mean, how do you get him involved? I mean, and Chris well, Paul is the guy to do that for sure. Well, DeAndre Aiden. Okay, DeAndre Ayton is 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 very he's a very interesting player from this regard. Is because he screens and he rolls. Yes. Okay. He can roll and finish, and he can finish over the top. Yes. So now when you roll, you can't get into rotation with a small guy because they'll just lob it up and he'll dunk it anyway. So you have to ha- keep a big or keep a body on him. So even though we say Chris Paul is the second option. The second option is DeAndre Ayton's presence on the roll mm-hmm. forces you to make a move. Either you're going to leave the corners open and give Devin. This is where Devin Booker has improved drastically from last year. Devin Booker's ability to play and score from screen roll situations. He has real. He's like an elite player now. And find the other options, like you said, whether it be Cam Johnson yes, or Bridges in the corner. Yeah, now, he we know he can score. Yeah, he can get to the he can hit the roll man now. He can hit the lob guy now. He can hit the corner on the strong side. He can hit the corner on the weak side. Or he, he can, can just even take hit the that fan. little yeah. floater or that little mid range. He really yeah. now Chris Paul makes it look so easy. I mean, Chris Paul is taking it between his legs. <laughs> he, I mean, he's throwing. I mean, Chris Paul has always been able to do this. Yes, but the addition now of uh, of Devin Booker being able to do it, okay, now you got something. So 
we know that DeAndre Ayton is a third option, but DeAndre Ayton is always a valuable option because there's so much attention going to their dominant scores. And, and then this guy, he can, he can finish in addition to doing the role, doing the verticality. And then, yeah. by the way, he's got a nice little touch in there. When you do oh. give him a mismatch, he can and seal. He, and he's, he's got a great second bounce. I know we talk about Zion's second bounce, but so does Aiden. Aiden gets more offensive rebounds off his own misses than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Aiden is, I mean, and, and, and in addition to that, the game is not too fast for him. So he can get out on the fast break. He can react and rim protect. I mean, he really does. And he really does a nice job. And I, I just see him having the ability someday to really command a double team because he has great hands. He's got big hands. You know how I am with bigs and big hands. And he can pass out of a double team because his hands are big enough. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really exciting to watch him go through the playoffs, but the thing, the key thing I'm looking for him or looking for the Phoenix Suns early in the game is how are they going to put DeAndre Ayton and get him involved in the game? Mm. Because the Clippers, to me, have identified what they need to do. Because here's, here's something that was like odd to me. Boogie played great in like 15 minutes, but he never played against DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> Think about that. That wasn't, that, that wasn't a mistake. Well, in, in earlier in the series, he he did for like five minutes, and and Ty Lue pulled him quickly because Aiden because was going at him. Bigs like to play against yeah, other was, bigs. Yeah, Aiden was going at him exactly. See, bigs, yeah. there's something there's something about a guy who's tall. I don't know. I'm not a big, but I do know that they look at each other. It's like you know they'll see a tall guy and they'll be like, oh whatever, I got to mm. play against this guy. But when they see each other, they like there's a mutual respect that a big has, like. Boogie and and and, and Aiden, they may not they know like each other. other. Yeah, yeah, but they're familiar. You know what they're I mean? Familiar. Without even knowing each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I love Zubak. Like Zubak is a big. Yes, he's a big. Like he wrestles, sure. he bumps around, they hit <laughs> each other. They're like it's like linemen. Like you know what I mean? Like there's a mutual respect with the linemen, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, okay, yeah. you're like oh man. You know, like those guys, they hit each other for the yeah. entire game, and afterwards they shake each other's hand. That's yeah, what it's a respect do. for being in the trenches. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, but Ty Lu doesn't want Aiton to catch a rhythm playing against Boogie. If you ask me, there yeah. wasn't an accident. But he's going to let Boogie play against. Uh, oh, Sarge. Sarge, Dario yeah. Sarge. He's going to let him play against him, mm-hmm. but he wants to keep Aiton on his toes. Yep. Keep him in places to make him as uncomfortable as he possibly can. So to me, that's coaching. That's just giving a guy respect. I'm not going to stop this guy. I mean, this kid, Aiden's a great player. I'm not going to stop Devin Booker. But how can I make him uncomfortable? And the fact that he only lets Boogie play against Saric, I mean, that's that's a detail in the game that you're going, oh, okay. I see you. Yeah. I see. That's great. It- and and then your team, like you like on the bench, right? Boogie knows that when Sarge goes in, it's his time. So it's, he's ready to go. He's looking at coach. Coach Sue's like, Boogie, get ready, get in this game right now. And then as soon as Monty Williams is getting eight and ready to go back in, Boogie's looking over at the bench knowing it's my time. You know what that, I mean? It's that, like an that, understanding. That, that, that's see, that's that, that's what I love about watching the game. Yep. And you know, and I'm watching the game and people and, and like my wife was like, What 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 happened? I was like, ah, just I was like, yeah, you know. That, that, that's these are the things I look for. So 
let's look for that. I think Monty Williams is going to try to get Aiton, you know, get him into the game early. Get him yeah. into the game the first two minutes. Get get him into the game. This mm-hmm. is what this is how he's going to dominate on the defensive end. Think about that. How can yeah. I get him involved in the game so that he can control the defensive end? Yeah, we're getting him lobs on offense so that he feels engaged, and then we're hoping okay. that energy translates to blocks right. on the other end. And if that happens, I think the Phoenix Suns are going to win. So I think it's going to be a little battle there. Clearly, there's a lot of ch- there's a chess match going on here with the coaches. The coaches both, I think, understand this. And um, I, I just thought that that was I thought that was great. It's great strategy by Ty Lue in the last game. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around, like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Learn about these investment products and more at Investor.gov, your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Back to Pushing Through. I do, you know, the, the Coach of the Year is obviously a regular season award. I wish that there was some other recognition that was given to coaches in the playoffs because Ty Lue, um, you know, just the adjustments and the way he's been able to to kind of weather the storm of losing a, a quality player like Kawhi Leonard and keep this team in contention. I wish that there was some other way that we could give him you know, his due because he has been great. You know, Tate, you know what I wish? You know what I wish? And... And I, I love to hear the observation because it's a universal thing that we all know that playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball. Absolutely. Okay. What I wish, Tate, was that teams, all teams, for whatever reason in our era, we played the game like that all year. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, okay. It wasn't like we were we were saving stuff for the playoffs to, to like, throw like, out there. Like, yeah. Like, we're, you're making adjustments every game, every night to win the game. Yes, yes. yes. That, that, that's what I wish. That, 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 because the integrity of the game now is at an all-time high. For some reason, the way the game is played, the way the game is taught, we're teaching these guys, shoot threes, because statistics say here. Mm-hmm. But then we know that you can't win that way when, you, when you're talking about winning at the pro level. You may be able to win that way during the regular season because of the way the season goes. But that way never wins when it's time to win in the playoffs. Yeah. What's great is the playoffs is a totally different game than the regular season. Absolutely. And it's the, almost like an understood thing now. Like guys a, in the regular season, they, they already know and, that. And, yeah. and, 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 and it has taken me a couple years to really understand why players don't value the regular season now. Because I think the players know that they haven't yeah. they haven't they they haven't articulated that in a way. But I'm going to say it here: the players are 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 are, are what they're doing is load managing during the regular season because they're like that way can't win. I think the players have already figured it out. Mm-hmm. Now, no player has articulated that to me, but when I asked them, 
How come y'all all play the same way? They'd be like, I don't know. But I think they're saying it without saying it. Why am I going to go out here and play this way during the regular season? And when, I know mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I can't win that way. And I, and I also know that no one's going to, no one is going to judge my game based off these regular season. Like you said, almost track meets when, when once we get to the playoffs, that's when the real money happens and we, right. and we see who we really are. Yeah. So I, I think nobody was talking about Reggie Jackson in the regular season, but look what he's doing in the playoffs. playoffs. So I think now what I've come to understand after the bubble, because the bubble, the bubble messed everybody up. I well, think. the yeah. bubble gave me this. There's no way that these guys can be shooting this well. Yeah. They, they were, I mean, these guys were shooting the leather off the ball. They were shooting so well that I was like, wow, wow man, man, I, I thought I could shoot a little bit. These guys were shooting at a clip in the bubble. I was like, man, maybe I wasn't practicing enough. If you weren't shooting over 60% in the bubble, I mean, you weren't really doing it. That's yeah. Pretty- <laughs> but you can, but again, it's different shooting with no fans. Yeah. It's different Come, shooting on the gym. road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different shooting when you got to travel. And some people. It's different shooting when Pat Beverly's in your grill. Yeah. 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 But, but you know what? I would rather play against Pat Beverly in the bubble than playing in oh, front yeah. and then playing at home with the crowd yeah. and so forth and so on. So yeah. what I'm saying is I think the players have spoken and now it's obvious to me that playoff basketball is winning basketball. Mm-hmm. The regular season basketball is like, it's, it's just, you're just playing. You're just playing like, it's like, you're, you're, you're just playing the odds. You're saying, okay, three is more than two. So I might as well just shoot to three. It's like, I'm just going to take the easiest route to winning the game, which is I'll just shoot threes and whoever makes the most threes will win the game. That's basically what they do. Yeah. And the the jazz won that game this year. And the jazz won that game. Okay. Who can shoot three? Who can shoot the most consistently during the regular season? Okay. Jazz won that game. Yeah. Jazz. Yeah. They've taken 35 threes a game and they made 17 of them. That was the highest percentage of the league. Bang. Okay. We're we're the best team. Yeah. But then during the postseason, Okay, now you got to play basketball. What? I yeah. Now I'm going to take away those threes. Now I'm going to force guys to make basketball plays. And they're like, what? What do you mean? I got to shoot a mid-range? What's a mid-range? Mm-hmm. You mean I actually got to like go to the – I got to I got to get a post game? Yeah, because I'm, yeah, I'm not going to let you sit out here. And so to me, the postseason represents a game that we all recognize. And yeah. the players know that. And I think that's what the NBA is going to have to change. Because I really like the idea of the play-in. I thought the play-in did something. Mm -hmm. And it brought the game at the end of the season. You start seeing teams play more like real basketball. Real basketball. So I think what they call old school basketball, I don't think it's old school. I think that's basketball. That's basketball at its highest level. And the if you playoffs, actually want to win something, that's how you have to play. That's how you have to play. So there is regular season basketball, and then there's playoff basketball, and then there's championship caliber basketball. Now, if you're going to be a great team, you're going to have to play championship caliber basketball, and that is totally different 
than playing the way we've been talking about for the last two or three years. And that is what I've learned, especially in this playoffs, because the fans make it obvious to me now. Like the yeah. bubble kind of like, okay, what's going on here? But now I'm, I'm, I'm really clear on what the players have been saying. And I'm listening now. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load manage. So I'm going to load manage now too as I watch the game. I'm not going to evaluate and say anything more about regular season basketball. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it, and it would be interesting if a team, for example, a, a team that has like, I mean, the New York Knicks or like one of these teams during the regular season played that type of basketball and put the onus on their the, the other team that they're playing to match them to play winning basketball. Because then, then we start getting teams getting their identities again. Like what you and I talked about last year in the bubble was, there used to be a style to the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons that you recognized and you knew who they were. There used to be a style to the Seattle Supersonics or to the Nuggets in the 80s when they're playing mile high basketball with with Fat and Alex English. You knew what they looked like. You knew how they played. And in the regular season, teams, like you said, it's a little bit of a you know pickup. Yeah, level. I, I, I'm done with I'm done with regular season basketball. Now. <laughs> no, seriously, because I like it. I like because it. I now fair. I know why the players don't value the regular season. Yeah. Now I know why they say eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now I know. But, but now I understand why there isn't a sense of urgency for them to play during the regular season. Yeah. Because they know the difference between a team who's for real and can win a championship and a team who's just going to win the regular season. I- and, and I think if we, we can really point to a team that showed us that that's the truth, it's the Lakers this year. Yep. The Lakers didn't care that they were the seventh seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know just, what I mean? Like, they, they were fine with it. They were like, as long as we get so, in the playoffs, we're going to be all right. Now now I know. And remember, Tate, earlier in the season, I kind of caught on to it because I said this year, and, and you'll recall, I said if the if Brooklyn wins the championship this year, it's going to change. Basketball forever, yeah. I said that at the beginning of the season. I didn't know yeah. why I said that. But I knew that this team was being put together under the premise that we can just outscore you. Yes. And we've never seen a team do that. Yep. Because there's been a formula to win a championship that every team has followed. Yeah, they're basically saying we could outscore you without having an actual big, without having a rim protector. I mean, they they were trying to do it without without the parts. And yes. I and I said that, right, right. I I, yeah. I said that. So I think the formula of how to win a championship here, the DNA is still there. It's there. I don't think that's going to change. But I think there were enough people trying to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. to change how we watch basketball. But it always comes back to this same essence. Yeah, You got to defend. You have to rebound the basketball to limit the other team. And yeah. then you have to share the ball with one another and play. And that's what makes the team. So I'm just going to stick to that formula now as I'm watching the game. I'm not going to get into this team won 10 games in a row and they're just shooting. They're, they're shooting threes at a, a 50% clip. No, I'm yeah. not going to do that. I'm going to be just like the players now. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Because yeah, the gonna, game they, they is going to come back. Just look at it and go, that's cute. That's, that's cute. That's cute. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what it is. That's what I know. So pushing through now, we only talk about championship basketball here. Yeah. That, that's the difference. Because we know, Tate, now that there is a difference. Mm-hmm. We know there's a difference now. We saw an 84-81 point game the other night. 
and I was celebrating. It, it was, was a great game. It, it was, was a, a great game. It, it was a great like we're talking about Coach Lou and his game, his gamesmanship. We're talking about Nate McMillan, his gamesmanship. Yes. We're talking about coaching. Well, in the regular season, we're just talking about this guy shooting threes. This guy is averaging 40 Nobody's points. taking anything away in the regular season. They're just letting you play. And now I know. I've always suspected this. But now I know, and the players have spoken. Now I get why they don't value the regular season. Because yeah. I think they know that the way the game is played doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Yeah. And it's going to change once we get to the playoffs. And I think that's... And it's going to change again once we get to the finals. The finals. Yep. Okay. So there's regular season. <laughs> there's playoff basketball and then there's championship caliber basketball and then in the summer league let's watch summer league basketball take <laughs> that's another level there's a take as the boys say i like summer league yeah, yeah. Hey, there's levels to this take hey yeah, take yeah, we yeah. just identified it you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, midas yeah. can we get that there's levels to this there's levels to this, there's levels to this. Boy. <laughs> absolutely absolutely well i i think that's a final good note i think the people at home now understand what we're talking about here we're talking about championship level basketball uh bj is there anything else before we get out of here uh, i'm excited for game six tonight and i'm hoping to see uh my Monty Williams make some of those uh, in-game adjustments and, yes. and see what Ty Lue can do because it's going to be a lot of fun seeing how Aiton uh, matches up against the small ball clips. Well, every, everyone stay healthy, you know, stay safe. Yep. And, um, you know, the, the playoffs has been great. It's been unfortunate. We've seen so many injuries. And like I said, we uh, let's hope everyone, you know, Giannis is the latest, you know, he's part of our family and uh, let's wish him get well soon. But overall, Tate, when you are in water, my friend. You got to make waves. We will see you later in the week to talk about the Hawks, the Bucks, the Clippers, the Suns, and championship-level basketball as always. See you then. Huh.